Music is such a wonderful thing, so thank you so much, uh, band, for leading us. I especially like that last song we did. I think it was the first time we did it the week before with Rob. Was that correct? I can't remember. It seems new to me, so, but it was fantastic, so thank you so much. Music is incredibly powerful because it, it sends a message to us through its lyrics, but also it connects with us through the sound. And we all have different tastes and different appear, uh, appreciations of different genres and things like that, so different things connect with us in different ways. And depending on when you were born, and probably you lived through different eras of styles of music and different things that were of your passion, and depending what your familiarity was with them, the songs, you know, they meant different things to you. I know in the 1960s, some of you uh, are from that generation that lived through the 60s. It was considered by many to be a significant time in music where there was varying genres kind of coming together, those who had come before still in that, their prime in the 60s and some new genres coming out. And depending on when you were born, again, you liked different styles at the time. I know when I was younger, when I would spend time with my grandmother, she would have a particular style of music that she would like if we would listen to anything. And for some of us, it might be what we enjoyed. Like, she loved Frank Sinatra. She thought he was just the best ever, old blue eyes. You know? And for many people, he was like a defining artist for their generation. And there's good reason. He was incredibly popular. He was talented. Uh, he probably was connected to the mob. You know, all those kind of things. But one of his songs has, has really kind of caught on and for a variety of years. It came out in the late 1960s called My Way. And this song, it was a song that people just were drawn to. And it was really about himself. And it's a song that while... Maybe we didn't listen to it. We might be a little bit familiar with the song uh, because it had some statements in it that a lot of us kind of hold to. And in fact, it's probably influenced people in their lyrics and in their minds for, for generations to come. Uh, and the lyrics of it go like this. This is the first introduction of the song. It says, now the end is here, and so I face that final curtain. My friend, I'll make it clear. I'll state my case of which I'm certain. I've lived a life that's full. I traveled each and every highway, and more, much more, I did it, I did it my way. For many people, this defines who they are. For generations, it defined who we would be. We would be people who did it our way. We would buckle down, work hard, and in the end say, I did it my way. I was successful. Or I have no one else to blame but myself. The song poses the question of, like, what do you say at the end? What's the statement that you're going to make at the end? And for Frank Sinatra and for many people, they would say, well, I did it my way. And maybe some of us are feeling the same way. Maybe as we've progressed through life, whether we're more senior or maybe a little less senior, we're thinking, well, I did it my way. I did things my way. But what I want to ask the question this morning is, is that the way to go? Is that the best way to go? Fast forward about 53 years to last summer from Frank Sinatra's writing of My Way, came out an album that I loved called, by this band called Holy Name. Now, I don't expect any of you to listen to this, but if you do, it's fantastic. Recognizing that my style of music might not be the same as many other people's here, but they too wrote a song called My Way. And you might be thinking, did they cover Frank Sinatra? The answer is no, 
It's very, very different. In fact, the lyrics go something like this. It says, I saw the fire in your eyes, but only love in the flames. There was such a passion, I felt no shame. And I knew then I had found my way. This is a very aggressive form of music, so I don't expect you to enjoy this. That's okay. It's very different than Frank Sinatra. But it's also very worshipful. And for the author of the song, Tommy Green, who wrote all the music, he says his way isn't that he did it his way, but he found his way because of Jesus. So you have these two songs, 50-plus years apart, and probably a plethora in between, defining different ways. Do you do it your way at the end, or do you find your way because of Jesus? That's what I want to explore this morning. For some of us, we would say, well, I'm going to do it my way no matter what. And maybe that's how we feel. And hopefully by the end of this, we can ask the question, well, is there another way to do this? Is there maybe a better way? For some of us who have said, well, I want to follow Jesus' way, hopefully this will be an encouragement. And you can say, well, yeah, maybe I'm on the right path. Because in the same way as Frank Sinatra in his first verse says, you know, at the end, this is what I'll say, I did it my way, we're going to look at what Jesus said at the end. We're going to look at the last time before Jesus is arrested, tried, and crucified, that he has a public audience other than his closest friends. It's going to be the last thing he says to people who are besides the disciples about who he is and why he's there. We're going to jump into John chapter 12 and explore what he says there. If you were with us last week, we were exploring John chapter 11, whether you watched online at some time or you're here in person, and we looked through the story of how Jesus resurrected Lazarus. Jesus, who was off into Gentile territory, gets word that his friend Lazarus is sick and he's told to come right away. He waits a couple days, gets word that eventually Lazarus is dead, but he travels and he raises Lazarus from the dead. What happens after that is that everybody wants him dead. His disciples knew that if he was to go into where Lazarus was in the area of Judea, that the Pharisees, the religious leaders, would be looking to kill him. And it's exactly what happened. They started to plot how to make it happen. You fast forward a little bit to the next day, having a dinner party. He's having a dinner party with Lazarus and Mary, and Martha is cooking. And Mary anoints his feet with perfume. And it's this beautiful story, but it causes some friction within his closest followers, because one says, hey, you could have sold that perfume to make money for the poor, but he really just wanted to steal the money himself. And you go to the next day, and he enters into Jerusalem, which is typically the story that we read the week before Easter, but we're jumping through John in some ways. And the story is where he's welcomed into the city where people are waving palm branches. This is five days before Passover. And they're waving their palm branches and they're saying, Hosanna, which means save. And he enters in to the city. And then we're going to get to this story. In this story, Jesus is going to be encountering his audience and we're going to look at what he says. And it says this, starting in verse 20. It says, Now 
there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. Now, the festival is Passover. So they're waiting to celebrate Passover. Passover comes up three times in John's gospel, and this is going to be the last time it comes up. Passover is a celebration where they reflect on how God passed over the people of Israel while they were in captivity to be rescued by Moses by putting blood on the doorframe and the angel of death passed over. And so every year they would celebrate this, and typically in Jesus' day, people would commute, they would travel to Jerusalem to make sure that they were there to worship at the temple for Passover. And so this is what's going on. There's tons of people around, and some of those people are called Greeks. Now, we might be thinking, are they from Greece? Not necessarily. That term that gets used, Greeks, typically just means Gentiles, meaning non-Jewish people. But more specifically, it's a term that gets used when it says it like this, for God-fearing individuals. They're not converts to Judaism, so they're not worshipers of Yahweh, but they're people who respect Yahweh. So they go, yeah, there's something about the God of Israel. That's interesting. These are the people that have come up. So there's these group of them who've come up at this time, at this very holy moment, and they've come up and they're in Jerusalem. It says, they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. So these Greeks, these people who are curious about God, not necessarily converts to followers of God, go and see Philip. How would they know it's Philip? Well, I don't know for sure. But what we know about Philip is that his name is a Gentile name. It's a Greek name. And so likely he looked a little bit different and maybe a little bit more like this group of people who've come up for the festival. So this group of people who come up for the festival see someone like them and say, hey, we'd like to see Jesus. We want to see him. Which is a very normal, understandable thing. Sometimes when we're curious about something, it's very hard to ask somebody who seems very different than us. It's a lot easier when we can find somebody who might be a little bit similar, whether it has to do with their ethnicity, age group, or just how they dress. Go, hey, I have questions about this. And so these Greeks come up to the festival, and they see Philip, and they ask Philip, and they say, we would like to see Jesus. So Philip went to tell Andrew, and Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. I don't understand why Philip couldn't just go to Jesus himself. Maybe he was like, what do I do here? This is, this is you know, Jesus is busy. What do we do? But Philip and Andrew go and they see Jesus. So Jesus raised somebody from the dead, had a wonderful meal, rode a donkey into town, and now a group of people want to talk to him. They want to see him. They had probably heard rumors about who Jesus is and wondered, like, what's this all about? So they wanted to meet Jesus. And Philip and Andrew, they go to Jesus, and you could think, okay, well, what's Jesus going to say? He's going to say, hey, yeah, sure, come on. This is for everybody. But he says, Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. 
Not, hey, yeah, sure, bring them along, but he's making a statement. Likely he's making a statement in the presence of these people as well. He's saying, now is the time for me, Jesus, to be glorified. At this moment, he's saying, hey, everything's in motion. You need to understand what comes next. Everything's in motion. Now is the time for the Son of Man to be glorified. And he continues. He says, Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father, my father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. This group of people travel. Travel to a place that maybe have never been before. To go to this religious festival. They're curious about what's going on. They find someone who's like them and say, hey, we want to meet Jesus. We want to see him. They go to find Jesus, and Jesus says, my hour's come. If you don't die, you're not following me. This is not how you gain followers, at least not on Instagram. I've tried. It's not working so well. Right? Jesus' statement is that unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it doesn't multiply. It doesn't do what it's meant to do. Jesus proclaims what is to come next. He says, I am basically going to die. And this is, he says this just after he says, it's time for me to be glorified. Jesus' statement is that his way is the one that actually is going to lead to his death. And as the week progresses that we're going to be exploring in the coming weeks, as we ourselves get led into Easter, we're going to be exploring how that week progressed for Jesus. Those days progressed on how he went to the cross. That the way towards the cross wasn't pretty. But Jesus in his statements is saying that this is what needs to happen. Is that unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. That the way for life to happen, Jesus is saying, is for him to die. That if it weren't for that to happen, life really wouldn't come as followers. We're grateful to be, you know, 2,000 years past these moments so we can know the whole of the story for some of us. And maybe for some of us it's a new story. But the whole of the story is that because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we have forgiveness of sins. And because of the forgiveness of sins, we have the opportunity to experience life in all of its fullness here, now, and also for eternity. But Jesus is saying something more than that in this statement. He's basically saying that if you want to follow him, 
you have to go his way too. Which isn't the way Frank Sinatra would say it. In fact, what Frank Sinatra would say is actually what's equivalent to the third tenet of Satanism, is that you have complete autonomy of yourself and it's only your decisions that matter. Yet the way of Jesus is that leads to death. If you want everything to be your way, it won't really bring life, Jesus is saying. If you want everything to be your way, for you to be in control all the time, it's not the way of following Jesus. Jesus presents something very different. His way means the dying to the self. His way means going, okay, it's not my will, but what God wants. Jesus' point makes, that he makes, he says, he begins with saying that it's time for me to be glorified. But at the end of his statement, he's saying, Father, you be glorified. His point is that through his life and death, he and the Father are one. And when he is glorified, God is glorified. And he invites people to follow him to do the same. That they don't seek their own glory but to seek the glory of the Father and how they live. So that when you do stuff in your life, you're not going, I did it my way, look how great I am, but you're pointing to Jesus in all you do. The invitation that Jesus invites everyone into is a life that says, I'm not that important, but God is, and he invites me to participate in it. The invitation that Jesus gives to us is one that says, if you're willing to lay down your desire, there's going to be a great multiplication in the goodness of this world. But more often than not, and I know this for myself at least, maybe not for you, I'd rather do it my way. I'd rather get the glory. I'd rather people look at me and say, wow, Rob, you are so smart, because you do that every week. I appreciate it so much. It's easy to want that. It makes us feel good. That's not the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus isn't to draw attention to yourself, but it's to point to the glory of God. The way of Jesus, what he says to this group, for the, it's the last time he's talking to a group of people other than just his disciples before his arrest. He says, my way is to not get my way. My way is to seek the glory of God. The question becomes, who do you want to glorify? Who do you want to glorify? Jesus, as he leads to his death, he makes the point and makes it very clear that He's not going to say, Father, save me from this hour, but it's for this very hour he has come to glorify the Father. That through his death and resurrection, he points to something much bigger than just his experience thus far. Easily you could go back in the story of John, as I mentioned before, about half of the gospel is the story of, you know, the first 30-some-odd years of his life, and then the next half is his last week. In the last week of his life, that's the real crux of the story. That's the real purpose for Jesus. 
The miracles, the teachings are very important. But his death, that changed everything. And through his death, he invites us to be changed as well. To not seek our own glory, but to glorify the Father. So who do you want to glorify? Are we like the Greeks who are curious and go, we want to see Jesus? And maybe we're wanting to see Jesus for the first time. And Jesus has this harsh message of, well, following me means death to self. That's hard to hear because we like things our way. Or maybe we've been going to church and following Jesus for a long time, and he still has that same message. Just as he says to, to Andrew and Philip of his way means death to self. The amazing thing is the same message for all of us. Who do we want to glorify? Do we want to glorify God or ourselves? And we have to get faced with this harsh reality because more and more it's too easy to just glorify yourself. It's too easy to just make it about you. But when we first shift our perspective and go, how do I make it about Jesus? That can make our decision-making very different as well. Who do you want to glorify? Who at the end of your time do you want to be giving your eulogy and say, wow, they did it their way? Or do you want someone to say, man, they were faithful to Jesus? We're all probably at different places with that. I know for me, I hope one day someone says I was faithful to Jesus. And I hope that for you as well. We all have a choice. Who do we want to glorify? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you do uh, invite us to find life in all of its fullness in you. That even though we may have our desires for now and think that this is the best it can be, you invite us into something more that maybe we don't fully understand. Holy Spirit, I pray that we, even in the midst of our lack of understanding, strive to be faithful to you, that you help us to see more and more what it means to go your way, Jesus, a way that is like the single kernel dying, to multiply in this world, that you invite us into a life where we seek you, and because we do, others will seek you too. Wherever we are this morning, maybe we're uh, wrestling with this idea for the first time, or we've wrestled with it for the hundredth time. I know I have to wrestle with this every day. In our wrestling, remind us we're not alone, that you are with us, and that your way is gentle and kind, that as hard as it might seem, to give up our desires, our will, to follow you, your way brings life, and a life fuller than we could do on our own. I thank you that you give us that life, and you just ask us to be faithful to it. I pray for our faithfulness, Jesus, that we can grow more and more in it, 
choosing more and more to go your way over our own way. And I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.